The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. But now let's try and get a sense of what is going on in America. Larry Donnelly, law lecturer and University of Galway and columnist with The Journal. Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Stephanie. Um, I feel like we have maybe some of us become so overwhelmed with news about Trump over the last decade nearly that we have tuned out his name. So when we hear his name come up, we tune out the rest of the sentence. But now is not a time to be doing that. Can you talk to us about the charges against Trump and just explain what's going on? Sure. I I get what you're saying. Another week in America, another Trump uh, indictment. Um, This one is really different, I think, to the others we've seen. This is quite explosive uh, in my view. It relates to uh, his and his unnamed co-conspirators' uh, attempts to undo uh, the election in 2020. Uh, and it details, a quite lurid detail, uh, their efforts first to go to various states where the elections were close and to lean on uh, election officials and politicians, many of whom were allies, uh, to effectively overturn the results, to send fake electors to Washington, D.C., uh, you know, on the grounds that there was all sorts of electoral fraud. They had no evidence for it, uh, but they pursued it anyway. Uh, Donald Trump himself then uh, tried to get the Justice Department to intervene um, and, you know, again, put an awful lot of pressure on them to overturn the election results. And, and lastly, uh, he put pressure on his own vice president, Mike Pence, uh, to refuse to ratify the election results uh, in January of 2021. Uh, we know that didn't work out, but that all amounts to four counts, three counts of conspiracy uh, and one count of uh, obstructing uh, a process, all of which carry uh, pretty serious uh, prison terms in the event that he were to be convicted. But he still believes that he won the election and the people who support him still believe that he won the election. So is it down to the the judicial system to prove that he knew that he did not win and that he made attempts to fake the results. And is any of this going to make an impact on the people who support Trump? He seems untouchable. Well, you've gotten right to the heart of the matter there. Uh, One of the things that the indictment does is basically make a very, very persuasive case that Donald Trump knew or at least or had to have known uh, that he lost the election. It details how uh, everyone from uh, the vice president himself, from the top White House lawyers, uh, Department of Homeland Security, Department of Justice, uh, campaign staffers, all told him again and again uh, that he had lost the election. One White House counsel said, there's no way you're not leaving the White House uh, on, on January 20th when Joe Biden is inaugurated. There's no planet. Uh, on which you can leave. Now, one of the things his lawyers are definitely going to argue is despite all of this, uh, he still didn't know. He still believes that uh, he actually won the election. Uh, and if you ask me, that's almost akin to accepting people to to to, to go down the uh, insanity defense route because uh, anyone with an iota of credibility left told the guy uh, that he uh, lost the election. So it's very hard for me to believe that deep in his heart, he doesn't know that he lost it. But then you raise the interrelated political question, which of course is there. And look, we've had indictments so far, none as serious as this, but they haven't made a dent in his support in the Republican uh, primary. Uh, And, you know, we haven't had any polling yet since this is all broken. Uh, But my expectation, if precedent is any guide, is that he won't make a dent in his support among Republicans. Listen, let's, we have a clip here that I want to listen to. Does this sound like a man who is in any way thrown by these allegations? 
This is a very sad day for America. Uh, when you look at what's happening, this is a persecution of a political opponent. This was never supposed to happen in America. This is the persecution of the person that's leading by very, very substantial numbers in the Republican primary and leading Biden by a lot. So if you can't beat him, you persecute him or you prosecute him. We can't let this happen in America. He's so, you know, it, it's I sort of believe the defense that he thought that he had won. He seems so deluded and so out of touch with reality, but so tuned in to his voters that I almost feel like none of this matters. Like none of this is going to make any difference to the people who want him to be president again. Yeah, he, he's incredibly brazen and his sense of self-belief uh, is extraordinary. And let's give uh, Donald Trump credit where it is due. If you recall in 2015, 2016, um, many people refused to cover his candidacy seriously. Uh, and lo and behold, he vanquished 16 Republicans uh, and then beat Hillary Clinton, who was the odds on favorite. So that self-belief and that brazenness uh, has taken this guy an awful long way. And you're right. I mean, there is a core of support uh, that will not leave Donald Trump no matter what. But here's the thing. They don't get to decide who the president of the United States is. It's the people in the middle, that small cohort of voters who could go either way. They're the ones who decide this. And in my view, uh, this development, coupled with lots of other things, have turned them off Donald Trump. There's no way they're going to go back to him. So the question then becomes is, and, and this has, you know, behind the scenes, leading Republicans are furious because they're worried that the republic that, that the loyalty to Trump is so strong that they are prepared to nominate the one person who Joe Biden, who's very, very vulnerable, the one person who Joe Biden probably can beat, whereas they have an awful lot of other candidates who arguably would pose a far greater threat uh, to uh, Joe Biden. But again, those candidates can't really run hard at Trump because they can't afford to alienate uh, his base. So you have a very, very odd set of circumstances at play. Okay, so let's. So the next time that we, the next hearing, right, is Monday, the twenty eighth of August. Let's say this hearing doesn't go in Trump's direction. What can we expect? And can someone run for president from prison? Yeah, the, the short answer to your question is yes. Somebody can run from oh president for president from from prison. There's no impediment to that. But as a practical matter, uh, I think that would be very very difficult. And even most of Trump's base, I think. Uh, would probably walk away if he were in prison trying to run for president. But what's going to happen on the 28th is uh, the, the the judge has indicated that she wants a very quick uh, timetable for things. So uh, the prosecution is going to set out when it would like the trial to take place. The defense is going to set out the date it would like the trial to take place. Trump's MO in all of this has always been to drag things out uh, for as long as possible. And that's the same here. And I do have some sympathy for the Trump defense because Remember, investigations into January 6th have been going on for an awful long time. They've had years to prepare all of this. Uh, Trump's defense team needs some time uh, to prepare their defense. So they're going to try to boot this out. And li listen, legal experts are saying uh, this is going to be a speedy trial. It's going to happen quickly. Political experts are saying, well, we, you know, it could be a long time, et cetera, et cetera. The fact is nobody really knows uh, when this is all going to take place. But the timing of this trial and indeed the timing of the trials he faces uh, in New York, in Florida, uh, and also potentially in Georgia. This is all going to be going on in the background as a presidential campaign goes. So we're going to see the legal and the political processes perhaps coming into direct coll uh, collision, which is unprecedented to the United States. Does Trump still have that, that, that key cohort of people around him 
keeping his secrets, you know, propping him up, telling him what he, what he wants to hear. And is there any threat that those people who have always backed him up may, for this case, in this trial, turn against him and say, look, yeah, this is actually what was happening? Yeah, I think that's a real threat. Uh, I think the reason, for instance, why these uh, co-conspirators are not named uh, is that perhaps they might be witnesses. Perhaps they've provided inf- information to Jack Smith, the special prosecutor. Uh, the other person who isn't named or re- referred to at all uh, is Mark Meadows, uh, President Trump's former chief of staff. A lot of people think he might be cooperating actively with uh, Jack Smith and with this investigation. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of danger here. And the reality is this one is the most dangerous, both politically uh, and legally, for Donald Trump. In my view, the New York one is a total overreach. I think it's ridiculous. The documents one is really complicated. Whereas this one, I think, uh, both politically speaking, people can get their heads around it, and I think they'll be disturbed by what was done. Uh, and legally, he's in real jeopardy here. We have a text here from a listener, and this see this is what like gets my goat. So Kevin has texted us. I don't know if Kevin is Irish or American, but he says, the Democrats have nothing to offer against Trump, and that is why they have to eliminate him. Trump gets my vote. And I think that Kevin speaks for a large proportion. I don't know who Kevin is, but that he speaks to a lot of people in the States who are like, you know what, since Biden came in, Kamala Harris has disappeared, which was a large part of the reason that I voted for her, let's say, this American hypothetical person says. Trump, you know, things weren't so bad during Trump. Yeah, COVID was there, but, you know, economically, America, whatever, that the Democrats are offering us Biden again, who has been pretty inefficient and also the Kamala issue. And and that Kevin has a point. Look, I agree that, that it, Biden hasn't been a wonderful president. I agree that Biden has lots of vulnerabilities. But you have to juxtapose uh, the two individuals here. Uh, Donald Trump, if you if you read the indictment and, and look, a lot of this stuff was already in the public domain. A lot of this stuff is well known. It's clear that Donald Trump has no respect whatsoever uh, for the institutions of the United States, for American democracy. Donald Trump only cares about himself. Mm-hmm, in fact, mm-hmm. what's what's sad to me is that a lot of the people who love Donald Trump, people in middle America, people who left behind, people I have an awful lot of sympathy for, they think Donald Trump is their savior. The reality is Donald Trump doesn't give a rat's That's ass about them. Uh, about, yep. about them you but know? my point so is that I think... We need another, we need a better alternative. I think that these people would be happier to turn against Trump if there were someone that looked promising. But at the moment, it's like, he's he's the least best worst case. And now I know he's like, I personally would never vote for him, but I can see why people are like, well, what what are my options? Yeah, I mean, the reality is an awful lot of Americans are alienated by politics, by politicians, by the system. Uh, you know, the forces of technology and globalization have had terrible effects on lots of them. So Donald Trump is something of a protest vote as well as that. But it's a very, very dangerous protest vote. And yes, absolutely. Uh, I think that, you know, the people look at the United States and look at and see two elderly white men uh, running for the for president and say in a country that's so big and so diverse and so rich and so talented, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, is that the best you can do? Uh, and I think we're in a pretty sad state of affairs that that's where we're, what we're facing down the barrel of. Uh, we have a text in here and I'll finish on this. If Trump wasn't the Republican nomination, who does Larry think has a good chance as the Republican nomination? If I were, if Republicans were smart, the two strongest candidates, I think are Tim Scott, who's an African-American senator from South Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, or Nikki Haley, uh, who's uh, the, the daughter of an Indian 
uh, immigrant and also from South Carolina. She was a governor of the state. and She also served in the Trump administration. They're young. They're vibrant. They are conservative. But I think they put forward a very attractive, very strong case for conservative ideas. Larry Donnelly, law lecturer at the University of Galway and columnist with The Journal. Thank you so much for joining me on that. The Anton Savage Show, Saturday morning at nine on News Talk.